Children up to the sixth grade can make your way out to children's church. Kids up to the sixth grade and workers and anybody, they might have some Christmas snacks back there. So anybody else that's having a sugar low right now, make your way back there to children's church. I do appreciate you taking time on this holiday, Christmas Eve, to spend in God's house. We would not cancel our service on Sunday morning. And I know there are some who are able to spend time with family on this day, but hopefully it will be a time that is special to you as we open God's word and um, hopefully are encouraged. Would you bow with me one more time as we ask for God's involvement? God, we do look to you with an expectation that you will do as you have said and let those who need wisdom ask. And I would ask that at this time, as there are ones that are listening to this message that very much, very much so need some wisdom from on high. God, we thank you for your perfect word. We thank you for a reason to constantly celebrate if we know Jesus Christ and he is a part of our life. But we also thank you for this time to focus on this beautiful part of your plan. Christ taking on flesh. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity we have to celebrate through worship in your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. It is no doubt that the story of the nativity scene is a debated topic. Many folks have different opinions on what it might have looked like at the nativity scene there. Maybe you have something in your head. Perhaps you've driven by um, a manger scene in your neighborhood. I drove by one, and it actually had the wise men that had different color skin. And there's a whole tradition and philosophy behind that. When it comes to nativity displays, there's a variety of things that we have seen. And I read recently about a children's class at a church, and the teacher was trying to encourage creativity. And the teacher said, I want you guys to go ahead and draw out what it would have looked, looked like when Jesus was born. And she was wondering what kind of results she would get. And as she was going around, she noticed one boy, a very creative child, and he clearly had the baby Jesus drawn in the manger. And Joseph was easy to make out. And Mary was easy to recognize there. But there was one kind of roly-poly figure off to the side, very unusual. And she looked at it and she kind of assumed that the young boy had put Santa Claus in the nativity scene. And so thinking that she would help him out, she went over and asked a simple question. She said, well, I see Jesus and Joseph and Mary, but who is this character over here? And she wasn't sure whether to be worried or relieved when he responded kind of with disgust dripping in his voice. Oh, teacher, that's round John Virgin over there. <laughs> I think we'll do well to keep our ears open to young people. I think they will allow us to uh, maybe see things in a light that perhaps God wants us to see things in. As we take time to spend some time looking at the wise men today, I was this morning challenged with this idea that there might be multiple opportunities here for some that might come. Perhaps you're a guest with us here at Calvary. It's not your practice to be here. You are welcome here. We proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, not just on December 24th, but the whole year around. 
And as I was looking at this passage, there was one idea that came to mind that I want for us to pull away, but then even more specifically, there might be some different groups that will get more. If you're taking notes, this is um, one thing that jumps out from the text. As you and I learn more and more about God's gift of grace, it is my desire and from our study today, my goal, that we will not be able to keep it to ourselves. We simply will have this overflowing out of our lives. Now, I think that there are some more applications, and so I would just ask you to listen to these three and maybe pick. Maybe by the end today, you will choose one of these applications for your life. There may be some here who would come to an understanding of what the Christmas story is really about, how the Christmas story applies to you. Perhaps you have seen a big deal made every Christmas and the parking lots are a little more full at the churches. And you kind of wonder why that is. And maybe this will be the year that you understand how specifically this story that has been told for 2,000 years applies right to your life and how it can change your life. You might be here today and there might be some who would be motivated to go deeper in their desire to study about God, to know more about God's love. We might look at these men, these characters today um, from Matthew chapter 2, and you might say, you know what, I need to do this. I need to be seeking after God with more of my heart, more of my mind, more of my life. There might be some that would understand today that they are to be a key player in how God's gift is going to go out to the world. So I will let you pick one or more of those applications all that to bring us to our text. If you're not already there, please turn to Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, um, you can use the one in the pew rack in front of you. And if you do not own a Bible for yourself, please take that Bible that's in the pew rack in front of you and keep that. That is our gift to you uh, from Calvary. We'd like for everybody to have a Bible that they can use, and we'd love for you to keep that one if you do not have one at home. Turning over to Matthew chapter 2 and when it comes to this wonderful time of year, there are some things that we grab a hold of over the course of our life that very clearly we can see in God's word. There are some other things that we need to be careful not to get too dogmatic about. There are some things that simply are tradition, like I mentioned just a minute ago. There are some things that we can know and some things that we can't. Let me start right off the bat with one of the most um, discussed and maybe confusing aspects of this story here in Matthew chapter 2 of something that we can't know. We cannot know the number of the wise men that were actually there. Now, all of us here are familiar with the common tradition number, and that is the number what? Three. Now, likely we get that from the number of gifts that were given. But tradition tells us all kinds of things. You can take tradition very, very far sometimes. Tradition, not scripture, would even tell us the names of these ones. And I've heard this before, and perhaps you have too. The names of these wise men that someone developed from somewhere, Melchior and Belthasar and Gasper. This is from tradition. We cannot say this. If you want to push tradition even farther... In the 12th century, there was a bishop who claims that he found the skulls of these three wise men. 
And he got quite a bit of notoriety for that. And of course, this is not scripture, but this is tradition. We hold very closely what we can know for sure in God's word. We can't know for sure how many wise men there were. Magi, we call them sometimes. But what can we know for sure? Let's look in the first verse of Matthew chapter 2. We'll read the first two verses to start. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. What can we know and what can we not know? Well, clearly we see here that we see the word east. The star came up in, or there was men from the east. We don't know for sure where this is. We can look at other ideas that we get from Scripture and have an idea, but it could be Egypt. It could be Babylon or the Arabian Desert. Many individuals who have put a lot of time and effort into study of this and they mix it with other things that we see in the Scriptures believe that they likely came from the Persian area, Persia or modern-day Iran. And this makes the, mo- the best sense to us when we consider some other information. If you are taking notes, I'll go ahead and give you some points to write down, first of all, for these men and for you too. We understand that wise men find God as they read his word. Wise men are going to find God as they look into God's word to us. Now, I said we can know some things for sure. How could they know for sure that this was the king of the Jews. How could they know that this was his star, as they called it, that would lead him to the child? Well, as we look at what we know of them, there's a few things that we can conclude. We know that in their homeland, they must have been very prominent men, likely in politics, since they were able to get an audience with the king. It's likely that their involvement back home um, gathered them great wealth, And it seems also they were interested in religion since they came to worship. They weren't coming for more financial gain. They weren't coming just for exploration. The Bible tells us they were coming to worship. So they had a background in religion and in politics. And we see that when they came, they were able to gain an audience with that king, likely traveling with a caravan. They might have traveled between 500 and 1,000 miles to come and see the Christ child. And we find out that they are students of the stars. And so they were drawn to make this several hundred mile journey to worship the king of Israel. Now, if they were from the area of Persia, they would be familiar with the prophetic writings of Daniel. Daniel, who was the chief court seer in Persia, And in Daniel 9.24, we find a messianic writing where it tells us about the timeline of the birth of the Messiah, written well before his birth, and they were able to study that. But what is likely the most helpful messianic prophecy is that of Balaam, found in Numbers 24.17, where they would have been able to read this because Balaam's home area was Persia. And they could read this, these wise men. I see him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So if they were indeed from Persia, this would explain how they would know that he was the king of Israel. And they called him that. 
when they saw Herod. It would explain how they followed his star. These couple different points that we see. And wise men years ago and wise men today will study God's word. Number two, we find that wise men find Jesus through great effort. This was not something simple or easy. And wise men today also find Jesus through great effort. Look, look with me starting in verse number three. We'll read down through nine. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them um, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So we find here that wise men still will find Jesus Christ by going through great effort. Now, when they come to King Herod, there is no little stir among the people. There's quite a ruckus that goes on because when Herod finds out that why these wise men had came, the reason that there was a king that they were there to see, it's at this point in history, and we've never seen a stop to it, it's at this point in history that officially opposition to Jesus Christ began. And it's interesting that we find the Magi were seeking a king. Herod was opposing a king. And what were the scribes doing with the king? Because they read about him. They knew about him, were able to tell Herod about him. But we find that the Jewish priests, they were actually ignoring the king. And they knew the, the wise men that were looking, they knew that this was not someone who was going to become the king, but they saw very clearly that he was born the king. Chapter 2 and verse 9 actually indicates that the star was not always visible to them. That's interesting, isn't it? It couldn't always be seen. And actually, this is the first time that we find the star moves kind of reminds us of the uh, pillar of a cloud by day that the children of Israel would follow years earlier the pillar of fire by night that would lead them through the wilderness. Wise men will go through great efforts to find Jesus Christ. You know, there are all kinds of things in this world, all kinds of opportunities, and all kinds of people that are vying for your attention. But those that are wise are those who will understand that they have been put in this world by a maker. And that maker is one that when he saw the sin that had entered the world went to great lengths to once again make fellowship between God and man. And the wise man and the wise woman in this world is going to understand very clearly that Jesus Christ came down to earth not just so that we could get a couple weeks off at work or at school or not just so that we could add to our calorie intake around this time of year. That's not why Jesus Christ came to earth. Christ came to earth to be a sacrifice for mankind. 
The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you and for me. This is the gospel. You know, it wasn't um, until more recent centuries that men started celebrating birthdays. They oftentimes remembered the date of someone's death, but for very long it's not been the case that they celebrated birthdays. And of course, it's appropriate for us to celebrate this most wonderful birth that the angels would sing about. And let me encourage you today, you can find Jesus Christ. And it doesn't have to be some great journey that you go on. It doesn't have to be some incredible amount of great works that you do. You very simply can accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. He's waiting for you. There's a verse that tells us that Jesus Christ is knocking and anyone, anyone can be a part of Jesus' part, part of his family. What a blessing and encouragement it is to know that if you today aren't sure why you're in this world, if you today are just searching and you've searched everywhere for the answers, maybe you've gone towards something that you thought for sure would give you satisfaction. Perhaps you went down a road that you saw other folks going towards and you thought for sure that would bring you joy. Some people spend their entire lives working to climb the next rung on the ladder only to get to the very top and find out the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. Don't be that one. Be one who is truly wise, one that can find Jesus Christ. And then our final point for this morning is wise men respond to Christ not by keeping, but by giving. Not by keeping, but by giving. Look at verse number 10 with me. When they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod they departed to their own country by another way. Have you had the experience of when someone got around somebody famous? Or maybe you yourself had the opportunity to be in the presence of somebody who was uh, very famous or very rich or widely known. It's common that when someone gets a chance to be around somebody important, it's common that they want to get something for themselves. In the day we live in, people love to get a selfie with that famous person and let that baby go out online on your Facebook page or Twitter. Some people might want to get an autograph. Perhaps they want to get a chance to meet somebody else famous. Maybe it's a sports figure and they know somebody else who's even uh, more famous and they want a chance to meet them if they get a chance to be in the presence of somebody important. Maybe you'll take an opportunity to try to convince them of what's important to you. You can invest in something that I love or I can try to lean you towards something that's important and influence them. So many people want to be around somebody important for something that they can get. And it is so refreshing, and I think this applies to everybody. It is so refreshing when we find individuals that are around big shots, but they're not there to push their own agenda. Maybe they even could, but they choose not to do that. These are important men. These are men that are wealthy. These are men of prominence. And yet when they get into the presence of Jesus Christ, 
what do they do? They bow down. When someone bows down to another, it is saying, I am low and you are high. Um, Greg gave an announcement earlier about our special service this evening. We have a different kind of Christmas Eve service here at Calvary where we don't just focus on Christmas, but we focus on Easter as well. We focus on the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ. And there will be many tonight that will come down to the front and they will kneel. They will kneel, not just because of a manger, but because of a cross. And when we kneel, it says something about our attitude. These ones would kneel before Jesus Christ. Now the timing of this is another debated topic. There are some that conclude and feel very strongly that the wise men arrived very soon after the baby was born, just within a few days. There are others who will walk you through some Bible truths and will show you why it was possible that Jesus was up to two years old before the wise men came on the scene. Verse 11 does tell us that they went into a what? They went into a house. So it's clear that they were, they were not where the animals were being kept any longer. So Joseph was able to get them settled in somewhere better, it seems. And so we see that they bow down. And then what else did they do? They offer extravagant gifts. They presented him with gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I want to challenge you this Christmas. I want to challenge you with this upcoming year to present your best to the king. Just this past week, I was reading over another story that had another census in it. And it had another angel doing God's work in it. And it had another sacrificial gift that was given to God. It's not a Christmas story by, by, by any means, but very clearly it is a story where God is doing something and a lesson that I think we can connect to these wise men. I was reading in 2 Samuel 24, and let me just give you the highlights of the story. It's the end of 2 Samuel, and it's where David takes a census of the people of Israel against what God had told him to do. He was not supposed to do that, Someone tried to talk him out of it, but yet he continued with taking the census of God's people. And after nine months of counting, the commander, Joab, returns with the results of how many were in the people. And as a result of David's disobedience, God is going to punish Israel. And he gives David a choice of punishments. He says, three years of famine or three months of running from your enemies or three days of of pestilence. And it jumped out to me that David said, I will take not to fall into man's hands, my enemies, but I would rather fall into the Lord's hands because he is a God of mercy. And so David chooses not to have man persecute him, but to have a punishment from the hand of the Lord. And God sends pestilence for three days, killing 70,000 people. 70,000 of God's people were killed. And in the end, David is given instruction as to what he is supposed to do. He is supposed to go to a certain place and he is to make a sacrifice to God. Well, as the owner of this place sees King David coming and finds out that he is to make a sacrifice, he very clearly has something that is an opportunity for him to give to the king. 
And in 2 Samuel 24, this is what this gentleman who owns the property and owns resources says. He says, let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good to him. Behold, here be the oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. The Lord thy God accept thee. And many of you are familiar with David's response. Immediately, David spoke back and he said, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me what? Nothing. Can I challenge you today? Those of you who live in a blessed place, in a blessed year, there are plenty of things that you can give to your God. We've become experts at giving things that don't really cost us anything. Some of you have become experts at re-gifting, right? You've already gotten some and you're thinking of somebody else who might be able to use that. And yet it costs you nothing. Can I encourage you to not give to God that which costs you nothing? Can I challenge you to present your best to the king? You know, our world is filled with people who want to get and get and get. They want to keep everything for themselves. And this is a struggle for us because we have this in our heart as well, a desire to get, to take it in, and to hold it in all for ourselves. Very quickly in summary, what can you do? When we are reminded of God's plan to save the world, as we study this incredible plan, let me encourage you to determine to know more about Christ as you read his word. Determine to know him more. Spend the most effort in your life seeking how he wants you to walk. And then finally, do not be a keeper of what God lavishly has given you. What category do you fall in today? Are you one that for the first time is seeing this Christmas story and seeing how you fit in? The churches are full up around Christmas time and around Easter time. And so many people don't have any idea why. And the reason involves you. Because God loved you so much that he sent his son into the world so that you could have eternal life just by accepting him, just by believing in Jesus Christ and taking him as your savior. As you and I learn more and more about the grace that God has given us, I hope you will realize that you don't want to keep it to yourselves. It's so easy to keep, isn't it? Everybody expects you to keep. We live in a day where you can find things and you can keep things and it's amazing. I think that one thing that gets burned in my memory banks is whenever I find cash. Maybe some of you have found some cash somewhere. I can remember specific areas. I can remember this past January where I was walking in Washington, D.C. with my family and finding a $10 bill on the ground. You remember that, Emma? I gave that to you. $10 there in D.C. I can remember driving next to the Home Depot over here and seeing something in the road stuck right in the middle and seeing a $10 bill flapping right there, and I stopped and picked it up. I can remember where I was where I found multiple $100 bills. Someday I'll tell you about that story. It's so easy to remember those places where we find cash, and maybe you've got a story about how you found some cash. 
Maybe you were able to spend it on something or maybe, maybe you were able to keep it. We received a letter to the church here last month and I'd like to read that for you because in a world where there are so many people that are finding things and keeping them for themselves, it's refreshing to come across someone who's not necessarily interested in getting just for themselves. Now, I will let you know, I do not know the person who wrote this letter. They might even be in this room, and I don't even know that. But it's dated November 8th, 2017. I think I actually, we copied it, we scanned it here. There's no signature on it. Let me read it for you as we close. I found this $20 bill folded and on the floor inside the south entry of your church. It was on November 7th, 2017, during the polling process. I could find no office to leave it with, and there was no way to determine the owner. The only certainty was that it was not mine. It seems that your church can employ it much better than I could. Thank you for allowing the civic use of your building. Signed, finder, but not a keeper. Isn't that refreshing? Don't you wish that we lived in a world that was full of individuals that were seeking to give? Don't you wish that you were surrounded by individuals that were looking out for your welfare? Let me take it a step further. Don't you wish there was someone that was in control of all things and over all time and was the one who made every person and that that one loved you so much that he gave you his only begotten son so that you could have eternal life and so that you could have real joy in this world. You see, our God is a giver. Ladies and gentlemen, can I encourage you today with this wonderful, wonderful truth that you are not here by accident. You're here for a reason. You are here because there is a God who gave his son to you. And if you are here today, perhaps you can feel him knocking on your heart's door. Perhaps this call to you, let me encourage you, don't squelch it. Don't run from it. You see, I know that there are certain places that fill up at certain seasons. The different exercise buildings and rec centers and gyms, they get full in January and they're still full in February. And then about March, they start to die down. People aren't too excited about exercising anymore. But if you will accept this gift of Jesus Christ, he will do a change in your heart that will continue through your entire life and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God loves you and he loves me. And this is why we celebrate at Christmas. This is why some of us will kneel tonight. And on Christmas Eve, we will think about blood that was shed. Because that shed blood represents his love. Do you know how loved you are? What a wonderful, wonderful gift God has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is no greater gift than that of your son that you have given us. I thank you for the blessing of being able to read God's word, being able to read about how Jesus came into this world. I thank you for the blessing of being able to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I can remember 
the day when I came to myself and realized there is so much more in this world than just trying to get or to find happiness or check things off my list, but that, God, you have made your children in this world for a purpose. I thank you for grace. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to ask Ron just to play through a stanza on the piano. This is a chance for you to pray. You might pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Thank God for sending Jesus Christ and for Jesus' shed blood. You might start to follow him today with your life. There might be something else maybe driven to study God's word through your life or driven to pay up something costly for our God. Spend some moment in prayer.